Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. Got uh, another uh, snapshot in the life of Christ in this shortest of all the Gospels. Mark 7. And I'm, ju- I'm not going to read the entire section that, you, that, is, uh, that is mentioned. I'm just going to read some pieces. So I'm going to follow it around just a little bit. And uh, so I'll try to keep you, uh, you know, where we're, where we're headed and uh, jump down as we go. So follow along. Starting in verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they, gave their hand, or unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to, the, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Then I'm going to jump down to verse uh, 14, please. Again, Jesus called the crowds to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about about the parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Do you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but, it, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. Instead, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, from within out of the man's heart, come evil Thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside a man and make him unclean. This is God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your for your. For your word, thank you for its guidance. Thank you for Christ, that he comes to us to, to care for us and to love us. Father, I pray that you would, that you would give us your grace today, that you'd, that you'd inform our thinking, captivate our, our hearts and emotions, and, and uh, subdue our will, rebellious as we are, broken as we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you all hearing some sort of echo? Yes. We're trying to fix that. I'm going to continue to do it 
I'm going to continue to speak um, until we give them a chance to fix it. We're just having a little little snafu today. Um, but if they can't fix it, I'm going to turn my mic off and just talk loud, which I've never had a problem with. So, good. But I'm going to keep going for a little bit. Um, years ago, there was a... Um, I'm not hugely into horror movies, but years ago... There was, a, back in the olden days, there was a horror movie uh, that, was, uh, that was very popular. And uh, the gist of it is there's a woman um, babysitting children in a house. And she's getting phone calls that are very violent and, and, and increasingly threatening and very, uh, very horrific phone calls. And she, she, you know, back in the day when we had phones in the house sitting on the table or on the wall. So, so back in those olden days when, you know, she'd, she, the phone would ring and there'd be this threatening voice or this, or this violent sort of sound or, or there'd be silence and just a breathing on the other end. And, and uh, so the the phone calls, as the movie goes on, the phone calls become more and more harassing, more and more sort of um, threatening to the point where um, the, the woman who is doing the babysitting, she, uh, she calls the police. And the police are, are you know, trying to do what they can to make this. And they're saying, well, let us know when this happens and what, what is he saying and how can we help? And they're trying to provide her with some level of of, uh, of protection in this process. And at some point, I think in the movie, if I'm remembering it correctly, the police at one point said, well, next time they call, do this to your phone, and then we'll be able to trace the call, and we'll find out where it's coming from, and then we'll just go arrest him, and it won't happen anymore. And so late in the movie, the, you know, the, 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 the phone just keeps ringing, and she won't answer it, and then it rings, and it's just the breathing, and then it rings, and then she does the thing on the phone, and she hangs it back up, and then the, and then, uh, the police call, or you know, the phone rings again, and the, she picks up the phone, and it's the police, and they at me. Because you're thinking, you don't imagine, you know, and then, of course, then, then, then the, uh, the assailant, just to give you the end of the movie, the assailant, you know, sort of reveals himself, and then there's a chase around the house, and then outside the house, and then the police arrive, and then it's all well and good. But, so it ends well. But the terrifying thing was that the, that the danger, the threat, wasn't from the outside, the, the threat, the, the danger, the evil, the, 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 the violence wasn't on the outside of the house. The violence was inside. And the reason I tell you that story, the reason that, 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 I, that I refer to that, is because that's a little bit about what this snapshot is, te- that is telling us that Jesus is describing to the people of his day and to you and me. That the, the threat, and, and this is really the terrifying threat, just as terrifying as it was in that movie to discover, oh my goodness, you know, because she's locking all the doors. She's shutting all the windows, making sure that nobody, that all the threats that, that, that seem to be coming from the outside in won't hurt her, won't damage her in some way or, or the children that she's caring for. And she's only, by doing all that, she's only enclosed the danger come to find out, because the threat is, the fear is, the terrifying thing is, it's, the problem's on the inside of the house. 
And Jesus is telling the Pharisees, he's telling you and me, the terrifying part about our lives is that the uncleanness, the danger, isn't on the outside of us. The danger, the terrifying thing is that the, the real evil is in here. It's what's inside of us that comes out that makes us unclean. It's not, what comes, it's not what's on the outside that comes in that makes us unclean. And we see one of the, one of the early, you know, we, we see one of the more um, um, intricate interactions that Jesus has with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of their day, the, 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 moral, the moral conformists, as it were. And Jesus is using this opportunity to describe the distinction. He's making a distinction between the gospel and religion. Religion as, as displayed in the Pharisees. And they are, I mean, every religion is this way. Christianity is the only religion that's, that's different in this, in this capacity. And what Jesus is saying about the Pharisaical or legalistic or, or externalism that, that was happening in his day, and that happens in our day, is that we're, the, the, the way that religion tries to solve the problem of uncleanness, the way that religion tries to solve the problem of evil, the way that religion tries to solve the problem of something being wrong or a mess in our world is to fix it from the outside in. Religion, legalism, Phariseeism is more concerned for appearances than for the reality of change. And Jesus is saying the gospel of grace, the gospel is is interested in the reality of change, changing us, transforming us from where the problem begins. From the inside to the outside. Um, I have a friend who, um, when his kid was, when his child was very young, um, one day they were playing with their siblings and from the other room he heard his child say a word to their siblings that they had never heard him say before and that they aren't encouraging him to say. And my friend... Uh, my friend's telling me this story, and he says, the first thing, the first thought I had was, that's not a word that I generally use. Meaning, he was grateful that he wasn't the one that maybe taught his son that word. But then the next thought he had is, where did he get that? Where did that come from? How did he understand this word? Where do, I, where do kids pick this stuff up? The, the problem we have in this, and then he starts going down the road. They're trying to piece together. Was it a friend? Was it the school? Was it another? Was it a neighbor? Where did he get this? And what he was trying to, what he was trying to discover is how do we solve this problem? What is going on with this situation? With the words that his son was using. And there's a sense when we run into situations in our lives, when, our, when, we, when, we find, when we find an uncleanness, when we find something that we're not happy with, we want to we find out where it came from out here, and we want to eradicate it. But the problem isn't predominantly that his son said words that weren't appropriate. The problem is that his, the reason that that was the case is because his son's heart 
is more about control, is more about being dismissive of others. That's the real problem. But we can't, but we, we, we couldn't see the control and we couldn't see the dismissiveness and the objectifying of humans in those things you can't see. They're, they're deep within the surface. They're deep under the surface of who we are. And in, and his, and in this case, his son's life. And, and, then when we, and then when all of that poor rootedness, when all of that evil inside the heart erupts, it comes out in words and actions and decisions. And when we see those words and actions and decisions, we're, 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 we're immediately drawn to try to fix the words, the actions, and the decisions. What the Bible calls it is that we're, we're, the roots of our heart produce fruit of our mouths and fruit of our lives. And we immediately see the bad fruit, the rotten fruit in our lives, the unclean fruit in our lives and, 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 our, and, and our actions, and we immediately want to clip it off much the same as if you go out and you see rotten tomatoes on your plants. You want to get the rotten tomatoes out so the new tomatoes can grow. But if the tomato plant keeps producing rotten tomatoes, simply clipping them off is not going to save the plant. There's, there's got to be, at some point we have to, the, the, the biggest problem isn't the fruit. It's not that we don't want to get rid of it. It's not that my friend doesn't wanna, didn't want to help his son learn how to use language better and in more contextual appropriate, appropriate ways. It's that, it's that that's not the only, that's not the chief, that's not the end of the problem. And a lot of times in our lives and what the Pharisees were doing is they're seeing, they're seeing the disciples not doing the rituals, not performing the traditions, not doing the sort of outward things that need to be done according to the, according to the moral codes in, or, in, ter, in terms of the religious traditions of the day. And they were concerned, so concerned that they gather around Jesus and they're finding fault with the disciples. Your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. And it wasn't just simply a hygiene thing. It was a hygiene thing, but it wasn't just a hygiene thing. It was a, it was a, it was a religious ritual. It was a, it was a ceremonial cleaning, as if to say, I'm doing this in honor to God. I'm doing this because what I've been handling has been, has been uh, uh, unclean and, and, and unhealthy, and so therefore I'm going to wash my hands of that before I eat so that I can honor God with what I do. They were, they were finding fault with their religion, finding fault with their process. Legalism always produces a critical spirit. It always produces that I'm more concerned about the problem my wife has than the problem I have. I'm more concerned uh, when I'm only concerned for appearances, when I, when, I'm, when I get caught up in that my problem is on the outside, not on the inside. It makes me judgmental. It makes me more scrutinizing of, what, of how you're not conforming. And it makes me uncomfortable when you're not outwardly conforming. And so the, way, the best way for me to fix you is to be critical of you, is to, is to evaluate you and to bring it to your attention.
when I'm only concerned, when I'm chiefly concerned, predominantly concerned for the outward conformity of things. And that's what Jesus is pointing out in the life of the Pharisees. This kind of critical spirit, this kind of, this kind of outward conformity mentality creeps in to Christianity very quickly because it's what the human heart boots up. That is, our, that is our general operating system. That is our chief, that is the windows of our life. That is, we, when we turn the system on, boop, 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 it pops up. It pops up moralism. It pops up legalism. It pops up outward conformity. That what I need to do is be concerned for what you can see and make sure that what you can see is as clean as possible, washing the outside of the cup. And the thing about religion, the thing about outward conformity, the thing about legalism, it's pretty easy. People are doing it all the time. We do it, we do it, in, we do it in this room to some extent. People, people, it's easy to fix, it's easy to clean the outside of a life. To not, to not uh, to have a good reputation in terms, of my, in terms of the appearance of things. What's impossible to do is clean the heart. It's impossible. And that was really the point of what Jesus, even when he preached the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Moses says, you do not murder. I say to you, if you even call someone a fool, you've murdered him in your heart. And Jesus is getting, the point that he's getting at is murder isn't the chief problem. It is a very big problem. It is a very big problem, but it isn't the fountainhead of the problem. The fountainhead of the problem stems from inside the heart that I want to be dismissive of others, that I want, that I'm judging you and, and, and calling you, treating you with a, with a dismissive, condescending, objectifying mentality inside my heart and all that stuff you can never see and I can smile at you and be killing you with my spirit. And Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, that's a problem. The phone calls are coming from inside the house and that's what will kill you. And just like the woman in the movie locks all her doors Outward conformity is, as it were, locking all the doors, thinking I'm safe. My, hey, I didn't murder anybody today. I'm really, getting my, I'm really able to work on my anger is so much better. <sighs> 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. <sighs> I didn't yell at anybody today. Outward conformity gives you the impression that all the doors are locked, all the windows are shut, and I'm safe from all the evil when what Jesus is saying at the Sermon on the Mountain, what Jesus is saying here, you're not safe. You think you're safe because you've, you've locked all the moral doors. You've, 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 uh, you've conformed in all the uh, outward ways. Everybody appreciates you. You keep your lawn cut. Everybody, and, and you smile at everybody that passes by. And Jesus is saying, no. The problem is much more tragic than that. You and I have hearts that are desperately wicked. Even, he even quotes from Isaiah, which, which would have been, you know, it's a high point in, in, uh, 
in Hebrew, po- Hebrew poetry, Hebrew prophecy, is he saying that even, even Isaiah was telling you this, is that you honor me outwardly, you, you talk a good talk on the outside, but in your hearts, you're very far from me. You're not devoted. You're not devoted in your hearts to me. And here's the thing. Jesus is saying that's where the problem, and then he gives a big long list of, of ways that, the, that things that come out of the heart. I'm hard-pressed. I mean, there's... I mean, Jesus off the cuff, and this is he's telling to, the, to his disciples, he says, this is what makes a man unclean. This is a man and woman. This is what makes us unclean. All these things. I'm hard-pressed to find. So, if there's not something on that list that doesn't pierce through you, to think, if that list doesn't confront you as much as it confronts me, if it doesn't, if that list doesn't expose the need and the and and the and the desperate wickedness that is inside of you and the tendencies, and this list is merely just their their bullet points, as it were, their bullet points, their their categories, because under each of these are ten more. We can we can splice out. We take each category and splice out. All the underneath, greed and malice are not just independent things. There's a whole nother list of stuff under each one of those categories. And Jesus is saying, this is how desperately wicked the heart is. When I see my heart that desperately wicked, and then I watch someone else, this is where... This is where if I see the problem for what it really is, that the problem is desperate and inside of me, then I see an outward conformity or or I see something outwardly in someone else's life that's not conforming to the traditions and rituals, to the the codes that we've established in in our world and in our lives. I can look at them then with compassion because I know that What's in here is far worse, far more desperate than what I'm watching in their life at that moment. And the gospel allows me to understand that that way. Not that we, not that we become accepting. My, my, my friend isn't, isn't looking at his son going, oh, it's fine the way he talks. We don't care what's happening on the outside. No, it's something to fix. It's just not the biggest thing to fix. And he treats him with compassion as we attempt to get to that place. But too easily, we are too easily, we are too easily willing to to too often willing to simply stop at what we can see. And what as long as I don't see the problem, we're good. But the cancer grows. And the bacteria spreads inside the root system. And Jesus says, I've come to fix the root system not just the fruit system. I want your hearts to produce. I want them not I want them to be to, I want the heart to be a place that is a fountainhead of a fountainhead of cleanliness, a fountainhead of righteousness, a fountainhead of compassion and love. That's where I, I want it to begin in here and until it begins in here we're not it's not good. And even operating on that outward inward the outside to the inside mentality is not going to help that. You've got to operate from the inside to the outside. Which is why Jesus says, I've come to not 
I, I, I've come to give you new hearts. You can't, you can't fix your heart. You can't fix the want to. You, people, people say, well, I just don't want to do that. I just, how, do I, how do I change? How do I change what I want? What I want. Yeah, well, what you want is all these desperately wicked things. How do we change that? She says, I'll change it. I'll clean it. I'll give you, I'll give you a righteousness inside of you. I'll give you my righteousness, which is pure down to the heart, down to the want to, I'll give you that if you trust me. And that lingered upon, dwelled in, explored, captivated by, will then change the condition of my heart and the condition of my life as I begin to live it out. And yours as well. That's what Jesus is getting at in this capacity. But but, to begin, but the process begins by seeing. It begins and then continues to be, it continues to be uh, um, generated the more that we, that we, as we begin, by seeing the desperate nature of our condition. How broken are we? I'm not angry sometimes. That's not, that's not how broken I am. I'm not Angry sometimes. I'm an angry man, which means it's, it's, it's discovering and owning not just the culpability of the outward display of something, but the culpability of the inward attitude of the heart and the rootedness. And change will never occur. Change, permanent change will never occur until we see this connection with the fruit and the roots of our lives. And that the biggest problem we have is with our roots. With the inner bent nature of our wants and desires. Jesus is trying to get at that in this situation so that we can trust him with the change from the inside that then can produce actual Credible traction on the outside, but it has to begin in here. Otherwise, we just get on a treadmill of performance and fruit clipping. We're just continually snipping off our fruit and everyone else's. And that treadmill, just like on any stress test, it gets faster and steeper the longer you're on it. Until it ultimately then, you know, I've been told by some doctors that what they're trying to do is simulate a heart attack or get you right up to the point of heart attack so that we know and we get a benchmark of what level stress you're under, what level stress the heart is under. And it's interesting how it's trying to use all these outward treadmill experiences. And so it gets faster and it gets steeper. And the heart is going to break if we keep doing that. The same thing's true with religion. If we keep doing an outward, inward process of moral conformity without, without concern for where it begins and resting in the righteousness of Christ, that treadmill will get steeper and faster to the point where it will ultimately break you and break the heart. When Jesus is saying, I want to melt your heart. I've given you, you have, he says, he says, you have hearts of stone, but I've come to give you a heart of flesh, flesh and blood, a new heart, my heart, to change you from the, from the inside, a heart that wants 
that wants to do the things that it's required to do and not just simply outwardly conforming. Because rules and laws and traditions, I mean, the, the, the point of these traditions that when Jesus was, you know, the traditions did exist. The tradi- some of those traditions, some of those rituals were, were rituals given by the Old Testament leaders for the people of God. Well, why, were that, why, are we, why would they give them these rituals? Why were they required to follow these rituals if they weren't important? It's a great question. Aren't they, aren't they important? Well, they're important the same way that object lessons are to a pre-kindergarten class. When I go, when I go to teach pre-K, and we're talking about huge concepts, you know what I do? I break it down into a tiny picture, into a, into a picture or to something they can hold on to. And those rituals were object lessons for the pre-K learning class of the gospel of you and me to understand what God's about. And we're supposed to see it much the same as, much, much the same as baptism and the Lord's Supper are still these object lessons, these pre-K versions of larger concepts. What he's getting at when a child is baptized on the head isn't outward. It's that that's supposed to say on the inside, you've got a dirty heart, you've got a dirty life, you've got an, an impure you, and I want all of you. And I'm going to, just as water washes the outside, I'm going to wash the inside. But it isn't about the water on the outside, the most important thing. It's the, it's the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus for the inside. That's what, that's what the rituals, that's what the traditions were supposed to be pointing us to. And the, and the Pharisees, and they got off track and only focused on the outside. They lost that's why he says to his disciples, are you so dull? Another, an, another word, you know, um, that fits this. Are you that obtuse that you can't see the connection between the rituals and the spiritual need for inner cleansing that the gospel of grace has come to do? And then he lists the things. This is the wickedness. The phone calls are coming from inside the house. Trust me, and I will come in and cleanse you. In there, that's where my righteousness matters. And then it will it'll leak out the more you're captivated by it. When the heart's captivation changes, the only way to change the condition of the human heart is, to, is not to subdue it, the law and outward conformity can only subdue the heart. It can't transform the heart. The only way the heart is transformed is by, is by is we expel the old affection by the affection of something new. And my chief, my chief affection of my heart inside is me and you, inside yours. And the way to get rid of that affection is by the new captivation of a better affection, which is Jesus himself. And when he becomes the central captivating person, idea, truth in my life and in yours through faith, it expels all the other inward affections and produces a life that's clean and caring and serving of the world around us. Let's pray.
Thank you, Father. Teach us, teach us, Father, the, the condition of our hearts that, Lord, it's threatening, it's, it's, it's condemning, it's, it's uncomfortable to be told this about ourselves. And we don't, that we don't want to be this desperately in need. We don't want to be this wicked. And we do so much to, to make it that we're not this bad. But if we're not this bad, then we don't really need you this much. And so we ultimately then, through that process, avoid you. Lord, teach us to embrace the reality of how desperately wicked we are so that we need a desperately gracious, desperately perfect Savior who can change us from within. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.